All right. So with a transition, a little bit. Um, confession is also good uh, for many reasons, not just confession to God, but uh, if this helps with some trans- uh, uh, as we transfer over to the, the sermon, transition over to the sermon, as we talk about conflict in our marriages or in relationships, um, I, I hope anybody that's married, you know this, uh, you've experienced this, but to really have a good, strong marriage, especially with conflict, uh, you better be ready to also enter into times of confession. Um, there, there are moments where we have to be honest and open with one another, and that's some of what we're going to talk about this morning when it comes to uh, marriage and when it comes to a relationship between a husband and a wife. But I want to encourage us, those watching, those here, um, these principles that we're going to talk about this morning, this is not just about marriage. Um, everything we're going to talk about this morning relates to us in every relationship we are ever going to have in life. Because whether you've experienced this yet or not, you will at some point in time, there is conflict in relationship. There is conflict in marriage. There is conflict in friendship. There are conflicts in family. There is conflict with neighbors. There is conflict with coworkers. Everything we're going to talk about this morning as it relates to marriage can also be applied to every relationship that we will ever have where there is conflict. And in fact, I mean, Scripture, uh, if you think about this, Scripture says, as iron sharpens iron, right, one man sharpens another. We use that in a very uh, positive context, but can we just be honest with each other for a moment that iron sharpening iron, that only happens in conflict. That's not a pleasant experience of iron rubbing against iron and sharpening one another. So a lot of things about conflict I want to just realize, I want us to understand as we begin this morning is this. Conflict is not something that we should attempt to avoid. Because in many ways, conflict is the, one of the number one things that God will use to grow us and mature us, especially in our marriages, but in every relationship. See, the problem is, is we try to live our lives conflict-free. We think that the best life is the conflict-free life. And in fact, sometimes we can fall into the temptation to think that the perfect marriage is one that's conflict-free. This is further from the truth. This is actually a lie that Satan wants you to believe because he wants you to think, well, if you had a good marriage, you wouldn't have any conflict in your marriage. This is foolishness to think about this right? Because there's always going to be conflict. It's not to live conflict-free. It's to make sure that we're living in such a way that when conflict comes, we are being honorable and we're bringing glory to God and we're approaching it in a Christ-centered way. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And again, I want to encourage us, this isn't just about marriage. Apply this to every conflict that you will ever enter into especially, and I want us to all to hear this, especially when it comes to the relationships even in the church. These are things that we need to apply to even our relationships to one another in the church because this is the way God will call us to deal with conflict. So why are we talking about conflict, especially in a marriage series? Well, Scripture says stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I want us to start with this because I want us to understand something very clearly. God is telling us that we have an enemy and his desire is to destroy us. I want you to really stop and think about this just for a second, you know, from a marriage standpoint. Those of you that are married, Satan desperately wants to destroy your marriage. 
Because if you can destroy your marriage, then that's going to weaken the idea of how the world, because remember, God uses marriage, Jesus uses marriage as a, as a symbol, an illustration to explain his relationship with us. And if God can use marriage for his glory and for his purposes, of course, Satan's going to want to destroy it. And one of the ways he does that is if Satan can get a couple to fight with themselves, they're not going to be paying attention when he comes and tries to devour them. See, if he can get us in conflict and fighting with one another, we're not paying attention to where he's trying to destroy us. And that's true for marriages, that's true for churches, that's true for friendships, that's true for any relationship that God wants to glorify himself in. He wants conflict to destroy us so that we're not, you know, uh, Satan wants to use conflict to destroy us so we're not paying attention to what he's doing against us. The best example I can give for this, if you have YouTube, look this up. just type in two deer lion attacks. There's a video, if you've never seen this, that's really interesting to me. Two deer are, are sitting there and they're fighting for one, against one another. And, and they're button heads and, and people are filming this. And in the distance, the lion starts running towards them, way off in the distance. They have plenty of time to get away. They have plenty of time to get to safety. But this lion is just full blast is straight at them. These two deer are fighting the entire time. They don't notice the lion until the lion pounces. See, they were so busy fighting with each other, they didn't pay attention to the lion that was coming to devour. And this is important why we need to talk about conflict, because that's how Satan wants to work. He wants us to fight with each other so that we're not paying attention to when he comes to destroy So this is something that's important for us to understand. The second thing, as we kind of start this, is Scripture says this, which I think is really interesting. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. I think some of us in marriage, and and I'm not trying to point this at anybody, but just thinking about marriage, there are some people that just just like to fight, just like to quarrel, just like to have conflict. And sometimes, uh, as we go through this morning, I want us to be encouraged with this. Um, sometimes we need to be wise enough and smart enough and not live as fools where we need to stop finding reasons to fight with each other. And that happens in marriage. Sometimes we fight over stuff that does not matter. We have conflict over things that really have no value whatsoever. I shared this during first service. I'll share it again. Um, kind of an example of this. We never really quarreled about this, Amy and I, uh, but I know it always frustrated her, and sometimes it still does frustrate her. Uh, but I think she's given up on the fact that, that someday I'm going to start picking up after myself. You know? I, I don't pick up my clothes all that well at times. Now, I don't want anybody to think they're like scattered around the house. That's not the imagery to get here. But... Almost every week, I get, did you pick up your dirty clothes? She doesn't get how I can have the hamper literally there, but for some reason, my clothes are going here. It was kind of a source of contention earlier in our marriage, but I think she's given up on it, right? That doesn't mean I still shouldn't grow up and clean up after myself better. I'm not trying to say that. But here's the point. Is it worth quarreling over, right? There are things in marriage you just have to say, that's not really the way I want it. But you know what? It's not worth fighting over, right? It's not worth making a big deal about. And that's one of the things I want us to understand when we think about conflict in our marriage is we have to start asking the question, what are the things that are even worth having to talk about or having to face or the conflicts that we need to have? So just something to keep in mind as we go through this. So 
This morning what we're going to do is we're going to go over a, a few things uh, uh, talking about aspects that we need to consider in how we don't fight fair. So we're going to start with that. We're going to look at what are ways in conflict. When conflict happens in our lives, when conflict happens in our marriage, what are some of the ways that we foolishly don't fight fair that we need to be aware of? And we're going to call them out. And, and I want you to honestly ask yourself, hey, am I guilty of this? Do I do these things? And again, this isn't just about marriage. This is about any conflict that you have in any relationship. But here's the first one I want us to think about. One of the number one ways we don't fight fair, especially in marriage, is we fall into following our fallen nature. And here's what I mean by that. When we go back to Genesis and we look at the curse, when we look at the sin and when God came down and cursed mankind because of sin, God said to Eve, he said, you will desire to control your husband and he will rule over you. This is part of the curse. The issue is many of us might not hear it that way. Some translations say this, your desire will be for your husband. Doesn't that sound great, guys? Like, that was part of the, like, my wife, she, she should desire after me. That's not what God was saying. God was saying this. He was saying, Eve, now because of sin, instead of seeing yourself as a partner with Adam, your sinful nature now is going to desire to control your husband. Really stop and think, because we, we see this a lot right? We see this a lot. But then he says, and Adam, because of sin now, instead of you loving your wife the way you're supposed to, you're going to have to fight the temptation that you're just going to want to rule over her. You're not going to submit and you're not going to be humble before her. Instead, your attitude's going to be one of, you need to submit to me in a, in, a, in a ruling, this attitude of I am superior to you and I'm going to control you also. So God says right off the bat when sin entered the world that our sinful nature actually wants to put us at odds with one another. And one of the reasons conflict happens is because we fall into this sinful nature. As a wife, we're tempted to want to control our husband. Be the way that I want you to be. Do the things that I want you to do. Act the way that I want you to act. And then husbands, we fall into the temptation of wanting to lord over our wives like they should do everything that we say. That we're the most important. That they should exist for our happiness. And this is what we fall into, and this is where a lot of conflict comes from. This then feeds into the next one I want to talk about is we fall into the temptation of, in conflict, where we have a desire for victory over unity. So what I mean by that is when the conflict comes, when something comes into the relationship that causes us to have a conflict with each other, we have to fight the temptation not to enter into it with the desire to win. Instead, we need to have the desire to be united through the conflict. Right? So when a conflict happens between my wife and I, I will honestly admit there are many times where my attitude is, I'm going to win this one because I'm right. And I don't really care if you're with me at the end of it as long as I can walk away from it saying, I, was, I won. I won that argument. I got it the way I wanted it to be. Instead of wanting a spirit of unity. Scripture says, Jesus says, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. 
So when conflict comes in life, especially in our marriages, we have to be careful that we don't desire victory over unity. Because here's the thing I want you to understand in the marriage relationship. Even if you win the argument, you've still lost. Because it's not about you versus them, because Scripture tells us that we are one. It's not about winning or losing. It's about being united. Again, this is true in the church also. When arguments and conflicts happen in the church, we have to stand upon the desire for unity over victory. Because just because I can walk away saying I won, but if unity is broken, we've all lost. The next one that we have to look at is uh, not fighting fair is also we have to fight the temptation for the need for revenge. The need for revenge is when conflict constantly happens in our marriages and instead of forgiving one another, what we do is we take what has been done to us that has hurt our feelings or that we feel that we've been mistreated or we feel that we've been disrespected or we feel that we haven't been loved and instead of forgiving in those moments, we put it off in a drawer waiting for the opportunity to stick it back to the person because they did what they did to us. See, when the new conflict arises, so listen to me, think about this. When the new conflict arises, if you are not facing that conflict based on what's happening in that moment, but instead you're reliving everything that happened previously, you're just looking for a, a, a way to bring revenge back into the relationship. You, you, know, you know what? You hurt me back here, and this is my opportunity to hurt you now. You caused me to question or or doubt myself, so now this is my chance to get revenge on that. See, this is how Satan wants us to live. He wants us as married couples, but he also wants us in the church. He wants us to just have a drawer where we hold all the stuff that people have done to us and just wait for the opportunity to bring it out. But the problem is that just destroys the relationship. Scripture tells us, Paul says, he says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other. Again, it goes back to, it's not just about me winning. It's my desire should be to do what is good for each other. Meaning that every conflict, my desire should be, when this is over and this conflict is done, whatever happens, I want it to be for the benefit of myself and the benefit of my wife. I don't seek revenge. I don't seek to hurt. I don't seek to cause damage in any way, shape, or form. But we fall into that. We also use this need for revenge as an attempt to justify our own bad behavior. Right? When I have a need for revenge, what happens is, is when you hurt me, I'm going to justify my hurting of you because I'm going to say, well, I'm doing this. I know it's not right, but I'm doing it because of what you did to me. So we justify our foolish behavior. We justify our wrong behavior because we're just waiting for that chance for revenge. The next way that we don't fight fair is we fall into this trap of avoidance. This is another way that we don't do conflict well in marriages. We avoid the situation. I am going to completely say this, and and this is kind of weird for me. I just want to put it out there for those of you here, those watching. This is weird for me because it's a whole lot easier to preach about marriage when your wife's not setting listening to you because you can say things and she's not going to hear it, right? But here's the thing. 
I can say with all honesty, and I don't say this as, as blaming anyone but myself, but there are many ways in our marriage that we avoid conflict, and it actually causes more damage over time to avoid things. Right? But that's the temptation. When conflict comes, we avoid it. We don't deal with it. We just push it off to the side. You know, it's just one of those things where we think, well, if we just avoid it, it's not going to cause any problems. It'll go away. The problem is, is it just festers. Conflict that is avoided, and when it's not dealt with, festers. And what ends up happening is it becomes bitterness. Because you just dwell on it. And you get angry, and you relive it, and you start looking at your spouse through the lens of this hurt or this issue or this problem. And then every time something is said, if it, if it hits that nerve, it brings it all back up again. Or if it relates to that issue that hasn't been dealt with, it just brings it all back up again. And what you end up doing is we end up living out the conflict constantly. Because we just don't deal with it. There have been times in our marriage where I have had moments where I feel like I need to say things. And I'm sure there's been times where Amy has looked at me and known she needed to say things about the way I am or the way things I'm doing. Or just to even bring it up to say, you know what, not to like change one another, but just to say, hey, this is affecting me. Or this is the way I'm seeing this. There have been times where I have felt the need where I need to say that. And I have avoided it because I haven't wanted to deal with the conflict. The thing is, is those things don't go away. Satan likes to use those to cause bitterness in the marriage. Scripture actually says this. Jeremiah says you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. And that's how avoidance ends up into our relationships and into our friendships and even in the church. We avoid things and we pretend like they're not there. The next way that we fight unfair is we actually try to protect ourselves through deflection. We fall into the temptation of protection through deflection. What I mean by that is this. When conflict comes, instead of focusing on ourselves, we end up deflecting the things that we need to do differently, and we spend all of our time focusing on all the ways we think our spouse needs to change right? I deflect my shortcomings. I deflect my failures. I deflect what I need to do differently. Instead, I put it all on my spouse to say, it's her problem. It's his problem. If he would do it differently, if she would do it differently. So (laughs) I actually, as we were singing over there, I leaned up to Amy and I said, Amy, um, while I'm up here, if I use any illustrations from our marriage, um, just roll with it. All right. Her response back to me, five dollars. <laughs> it's not happening. Then anyways, it's not happening because I give her my paycheck already. So it's like I can't give her five dollars to begin with. But anyways, um, we were on vacation this last week. And, and so I, I kind of wondered if I wanted to share this because it's, it wasn't bad. So realize that it wasn't bad. Um, like it, but we had a moment where uh, we were at our second hotel. Uh, we stayed in a couple different hotels. We got to our second hotel. It had been a long day. We were, we were driving pretty much all day. We were out in the heat also. We were out in Tennessee. We were, it was a long day. I was tired. Uh, I'm not excusing, you know, I was tired. I wasn't in the best. So anyways, my parents had bought these two, because my parents were with us, um, they bought these two coffee cups. 
And Amy's digging out all the stuff in the stow and go. And I went to move the bag with the coffee cups. And I didn't set them down as gentle as they probably should have been. So they clanked, right? They didn't break. They clanked, okay? Now, Amy didn't say anything bad. She really didn't. But she looks at me and she's like, be careful. Those are the cups. In my brain, I interpreted that as, I'm not stupid. I know they're the cups, right? That's how I interpreted it. So I snapped back, right? In my, yes, I snapped back. It wasn't like this horrible snap, but I, I snapped back. Said something kind of smart and stupid and all that stuff. Anyways, I then go to the back of the van and to get the rest of the stuff. I'm back there pulling the rest of the stuff out. And then in my brain, I'm thinking, well, Amy's probably back here and I can start handing her stuff to carry in. I look up. My wife is not there to help me carry stuff in. She's halfway into the hotel. Now, gentlemen, you ever seen your wives walk in such a way that you know they're not happy? Right? So I'm watching her walk into the hotel. She ain't happy. Okay? Now, as a smart, Christ-filled man, my instant reaction was, David, you really screwed up. You need to go fix this. No. My reaction was, get over yourself and quit having an attitude. So now I'm mad. Like, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is what you're, because what's going through my head is, you just left me to have to carry all this crap in. So here's what I do. I get all the luggage, right? Now, guys, it's just like the grocery store. You don't do more than one trip, right? I have all, I'm, I'm grabbing everything. I'm like carrying it. She, she's in the hotel already waiting. I'm carrying all, like lugging it in. The suitcase keeps twisting as I'm dragging it behind me. I'm just getting frustrated. The more frustrated, I'm, I'm going in. I'm angry because I'm listing all the reasons this is her fault. You get what I'm saying? Protection through deflection. I'm listing all the reasons it's her fault. Okay? Her fault. We get in the elevator. <laughs> Deadly quiet. Quiet. Like, I'm sitting here going like, vacation screwed. Like, it's done. Like, it's over. Because I'm mad. I'm mad. I know she's mad. It's just not a good situation. We get up to the hotel. We walk into the hotel. She's, it's still not a good situation. Like nobody's talking. I'm just like, the rest of this night is horrible. It's going to be bad. I put the stuff down. Now here's the thing. Um, I didn't say it like brokenly. Like I didn't like, oh, I, I, but I finally, I'm sitting there and I reluctantly, I'll be honest. I was reluctant. I knew I needed to do it, but I was still reluctant. I set the stuff down and I just kind of look at her and I was like, I'm sorry. I snapped. That was all I said. That's it. I'm not saying I was like, I was reluctant. Sorry, I snapped. Next thing I know, she's back to a better mood. The night goes fine. Like, vacation was great. But I share that not to say that I handled it the best. What I'm sharing is that's an example of I was trying to protect myself through deflection. Instead of focusing on me, I focused on her. In the same way, she was probably spending all of her time focusing on me, Versus focusing on her. And that's what ends up happening when we enter into conflict that usually makes it that we don't end up in a good place. Because instead of dealing with it, instead of just talking about it, instead of taking ownership of ourselves, we end up listing all the reasons the other person's wrong. And I'm going to be completely blunt with this, and please hear me when I say this. In every conflict, you will probably never, ever 
walk away 100% in the right. There's always something that you can take ownership of to say, I could have handled that better. Or there's a lesson I need to learn with this. So we have to really watch this one because this is where Satan wants us to live in judgment on one another and say, I'm going to fix you because you're the problem versus I need to focus on me because the only person that I can change is me. All right? So protection to deflection. Uh, Scripture tells us, so again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. This is where I'm saying is when a wife feels unloved, you know, Matt, Pastor Matt talked about this, then they're going to start acting disrespect. You know, there's, there's that crazy cycle, right? So if I feel disrespected, that doesn't give me a reason to say or, or not treat my wife with love. In the same breath, just because um, I'm being unloving doesn't give her the right to treat me with disrespect. But that's what happens is we start focusing on each other, saying, well, you're not respecting me enough, and now because you're not respecting me, I'm not going to love you the way I should. Or because you're not loving me the way I should, I'm not going to respect you the way I should. This is what Pastor Matt was talking about, I believe, the first week of our series. And this is that deflection stuff, right? Focus on myself. How well am I doing at loving my wife? Wives, how well am I doing at respecting my husband? Right? Instead of deflecting it and putting it on the other person. All right, here's the last one in this set. We also fall into divided purposes. Um, this is another way that we don't fight fair. Is we, fight, we fall into divided purposes. And what I mean by this one is we fall into the, the idea that we, we're not united in the purpose behind our marriage. Right? Satan wants us to be very selfish. Our sinful nature wants us to be very selfish in our marriage. So what, in, what ends up happening is we start focusing on, well, the purpose of me being married is for you to meet all my needs and to make me happy. Well, the problem is my spouse is never going to be able to meet all my needs and never going to be, make, be able to make me happy, 100%. So I've entered into this idea, this purpose behind the marriage, thinking you need to take care of me, and then we end up having divided purposes and, and all of those things. You know, um, Scripture says, you know, Jesus reminds us that when God made man, he took two and he made them one. And we need to ask ourselves, when we've been joined together as one, are we united when it comes to the purpose that we have for our marriage? Are we united in everything that we do? Are we united in the reason that we're together? And I want to give you the purpose that we as Christians, so hear me when it comes to this. This is true for the church. It's true for our marriages. It should be true in our relationships with one another. The number one purpose that we need to have especially in our marriages, is to bring glory to God. Are we united in our marriages to bring glory to God? Are we united in our relationships in the church to bring glory to God? Is that the reason we're together? Is that the reason that we work together and we strive together? Scripture tells us also, Paul says, be of the same mind in the Lord. Ask yourself when it comes to your marriage, are you of the same mind? That doesn't mean you have to agree on everything. But I'm saying when it comes to the purposes of what you do, are you of the same mind? You know, an example of this is when you see parents sometimes, and, and, and this kids deal with, you know, we just had this issue yesterday. It was really funny because we were, we were at a place where we were watching. They had a young child, and, and, and one of the parents was trying to discipline their child in one way, and, and the, the other parents behind them, like, completely dismissing what the other one was saying. And I sat there going, no, that's not going to work out. 
you know. That's not going to work at all. Because it's not going to be a problem with the child. Now they're going to be a conflict with each other because the man is going to feel disrespected. Because You know, see what I'm saying? It was like this moment. That's what I'm saying. Are you of the same mind when it comes to raising your kids? Are you of the same mind when it comes to how you spend your money? Are you of the same mind of how you spend your time? Are you of the same mind of how you do these things? And I want to say something just real quick, and this is not just to focus on wives, but I just, this is the way the devil gets in there. Maybe you've heard the statement before. Maybe you've used the statement before. But you ever, guys, we use it sometimes. I've used it before, unfortunately. But I, I want to get this out of my thought process. Happy wife, happy life. Right? I, I don't disagree with that. I want to make my wife happy. Don't get me wrong. But whenever I hear that statement used, it's always in the context of, he's going to do what I want. That's not being of one mind. That's... She runs the house. She does everything. She, I'm just going to sit here. and uh, That's not a good way to have your marriage. Your marriage needs to be united in its purpose. Not, we're just going to do whatever makes her happy. Or we're going to do whatever he says. You get, you get what I'm saying here? We don't need to fall into that trap. We need to be united in the purposes of our marriages. We need to be united and of one mind. And that's where conflict comes and that's when we fight unfair. Now, those are ways that we can fight unfair, but I just want to take a moment and talk about a few ways that we need to fight fair. How do we fight fair? How do we have conflict the right way? Again, not just in our marriages, but in the church. Any conflict that you have with somebody, if you use these principles, I'm telling you, it will go a whole lot better in how we deal with conflict. The first one is this, prayer. Right? Prayer. Hear me just for a moment when it comes to this. Those that are married, you should be praying for and praying with your spouse. I say that, and I will honestly admit and confess before you, I do a horrible job of praying with my spouse. I pray for my spouse. I pray for Amy. But we don't spend time praying with each other like we should. But hear me. We should be praying for and we should be praying with our spouse. Scripture tells us, I'm going to get to this next one, but Scripture says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Let's put this in context of marriage and relationship. Two is the husband and wife. The third is when you bring God into the equation. If we want to stand strong in conflict and stand strong when attacks come against us as a married couple, you better be bringing God into the relationship. One of the ways that I saw this when I did my marriage counseling before Amy and I got married, and I think it's a great representation of this if you've never seen this or heard this, but the way they presented to us is basically they looked at a marriage like a triangle. And they said, you know, the bottom line, and you have the two, the two corners or the two uh, angles at the bottom, the two points, that's the husband, that's the wife. And when the husband and the wife make the commitment to travel towards the third, being God, it's going to bring them closer to God, but also closer together. So when we choose to pray with and for one another, we are going to grow closer to one another, but we're also going to grow closer to God. And whenever conflict comes into the marriage, we are going to be ready to tackle it because the Spirit of God is going to be powerfully moving in our relationship. But then I want to talk just for a moment of pray for. 
There are many things that you can pray for your spouse, but I'm going to give you three that I believe every spouse better be praying for their, for their spouse. Like Every husband, pray this for your wife. Every wife, pray this for your husband. First is this, be praying for their faith. And what I mean by that is if they don't know Jesus, you better be praying daily for their faith. Lord, save them. Right? That should be the prayer of the desire of your heart is to pray for their faith. But even if they know Jesus, pray for their faith. Lord, increase their faith. Build their faith. Lord, make them trust you even more. Build them in their confidence in you, Lord. Increase their faith. Every day we should be praying for one another. Increase my spouse's faith, Lord. Grow them in their knowledge of you. Grow them in their understanding of you. Let them know who they are in you. Lord, increase their faith. Secondly, on a daily basis, we should be praying for our spouse's sanctification. Sanctification being this big word that simply means that they become more and more like Jesus every day. That they're growing and and transforming into who Jesus wants them to be. Every day we should be interceding for our spouse. Lord, grow them into the man of God you created them to be. Grow them into the woman of God that you created them to be. Lord, sanctify them. Set them apart for your glory. Use them for your glory. Make them more like Jesus today than they were yesterday. Spirit of God, empower them to be who you call them to be. Pray for your spouse's sanctification. And then lastly, daily, you should be praying for your spouse's protection. Because remember, the enemy wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your spouse. He wants to destroy your marriage. You should be praying for your spouse's protection. Lord, guard their heart, guard their mind, guard their eyes. Guard every aspect of them today, Lord. Any attack that comes against them, stand firm with them, Lord. Be, surround them with your presence, right? Lord, allow them to stand strong in their faith. Allow them to stand strong as their witness. Lord, let my spouse be the wife that she is called to be. Let her be the mother she is called to be. Let my husband and father, see what I'm saying? Pray protection. Pray for your spouse, if you have expectations that your spouse is not meeting and you're not praying for them, that seems kind of unfair, isn't it? Well, you need to be acting more like Jesus says to do this, but if I'm not interceding, what right do I have to put that on them? Pray for your spouse. Second one is this. Fight fair through patience. Right? So through prayer, but fight fair through patience. Conflict, have patience. Scripture says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Here's what I mean by that. When conflict comes, have patience with each other. Don't get frustrated when your spouse isn't where you think they should be. Don't get frustrated when you think they should know better than the things they say or the things they do. Notice what Scripture says. Make allowances for others' faults because of your love. See, sometimes we have these expectations. Well, you should know better. You should do it differently. Here's the thing. Yes, in many ways I should know better in the things that I do in my marriage. But my spouse, Amy, needs to trust. She should be praying for me and trusting God to grow me into that. And she should have patience as he does it. So when we have conflict, give allowances for each other's faults. 
and where we still need to grow. Here's one of the things I also want to say, just, just as, you know, to think about this. I don't know how conflict is with you, uh, but I see this a lot. Sometimes have patience with people by letting them process things, right? Uh, think about this when it comes to conflict. I'm the type of person that um, uh, sometimes I just need time to process, and if you were to come at me in a conflict moment and expect me to talk about it, it's going to frustrate me because I'm going to be like, you know what? You need to give me some space. I need to think. This is having patience. Saying, you know what? You may not process things the same way I do, but I'm going to have patience with you. I'm going to give you space when you need space, or I'm going to speak. and say, Have patience with each other in conflict. Allow the person to use the strengths that God has given them, not to expect them to process or to act in certain ways that you expect them to. This is the way that we enter into conflict in a fair way. Because our desire should always be to build up the other person, not just to get what we want. The next one is this, we fight fair through perseverance. Right? We fight fair through perseverance. So as we show patience to one another, and as we're praying for one another, we also in conflict have a spirit of perseverance, meaning we're not looking for a reason to give up. We're not looking for a reason to throw in the towel. We're not looking for a reason to dismiss the other person and what they're feeling and thinking. No, we're committed to persevering through it because we're united in the purpose of our marriage being the glory of God. If my desire is not my happiness but to bring God God glory, then I'm going to be willing to persevere till we can resolve the conflict that is happening because we are united in our purpose. Scripture actually says this, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Right? This perseverance, we've agreed on the direction. We've agreed on where we're heading. We've agreed on where we're going. And when conflict comes and tries to stop us, we are going to persevere through it because we've agreed on where we're heading. We're not going to look for a reason to give up. We're not going to look for a reason, again, to throw in the towel. But we're going to persevere because we've agreed on the purpose behind our marriage. This is the same in the church. Just for a moment, I just want to say this again. The church, how many times does conflict come in the church and people look for a reason to just give up and walk away? Instead of dealing through the conflict, do we not agree on the destination that we're heading? Do we not agree on the direction we're trying to reach a hurting world for Jesus? Okay, so when conflict comes, let's persevere as we agree on our purpose and let's work through the conflict. As we show patience for one another, as we pray for one another. This is true for the church just as it is a marriage. The last one is this. We fight fair in conflict by focusing on praise. What I mean by focusing on praise is not praise in the sense of praising God while we should as couples praise and worship God together. What I mean by praise is, is praising our spouse. See, Scripture tells us, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I bring this up because how often when we fall into conflict with other people, even our spouses, how easy is it to make a list of all the things we're frustrated about when it comes to our spouse? How easy is it to make the list of all the things we're not happy about when it comes to our spouse? But instead of focusing on all the things that we're not happy about, those are the moments we need to also focus on the reasons to give praise to our spouse. 
These are the amazing ways that God has created you. These are the amazing things that I love about you. These are the reasons that you are praiseworthy. See, because when we focus on always the negative, guess what? When you focus on negative, you're going to be negative. But when we give praise, that doesn't mean we dismiss the things that still need to be talked about, but we do it with a spirit of excitement and expectation, and we look at what's best for the person that we call our husband or our wife. I'm not trying to destroy you in this conflict because I love you and you are praiseworthy. I am trying to help you become the person that God has created you to be. And I'm trusting that you are committed to that same resolve, to helping me become the person that God has created me to be. See, that's something in married life we need to remember. You are given to your spouse to help them grow as a Christian and as a child of God. You are their helper. You are their partner. That's why when we enter into conflict, we do it with the desire for what is beneficial for both of us. Because through conflict, I can become a better husband. I can become a better father. I can become a better man of God in the same way I hope God uses me to make my wife a better wife, a better mother, and a better woman of God. But we have to focus on praise and not just the negative. As we end, I want to end with this Zig Ziglar quote, I think is perfect as we kind of sum this up with conflict, and it's simply this. Many marriages would be better if the husband and the wife clearly understood that they are on the same side. Anytime conflict comes in the marriage, remind yourself, every conflict, remind yourself, we're on the same side. It's not me against you. It's us against the world, right? Satan is trying to destroy us. The world is trying to break us. It's not me against you. We are on the same side because we are no longer two. We are one. If we reminded ourselves of that, I think our conflicts would change drastically, not just in our marriages, but again, inside the church. We are not against each other. We're on the same side. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you praise for this day, and I I just want to lift up marriages to you today. Um, I I want to intercede for for all of us. No matter what condition our marriage is in, Lord, even if it's the the best it's ever been, we have to acknowledge that the, the enemy does not want that. And there are moments where conflict is going to come. So we pray that your presence will be in every single marriage. We pray that the Spirit of God will direct and guide every word, every thought, Lord, that we will be humble before you. We will be ready to be submissive to you. And by being submissive to you, we can be servants to our spouse, that we can love them the way you call us to, show respect the way you call us to. Lord, we can fight fair in conflict, knowing that we're doing it to strengthen ourselves, to strengthen who we are as individuals, but most importantly, as a united couple, made one by the Father. And we give you praise for uh, the faithfulness you have for us. Help us every single day. May your blessings just shine upon us. We give you praise. In your name we pray. Amen.